0: the studios of teeing it up in the swamps of jersey this is teeing it up with jeremy shilling for wednesday october 3rd 2018 and finally a podcast that has absolutely nothing to do with golf football fantasy football or betting which seems like it's been every podcast i've done lately um and we welcome back to the show chris thompson hello chris Hello, Jeremy. I'm a little bit disappointed we're not going to talk about any of those things. Those are great topics. If you would like to, we can. It's it's you know we've got 90 minutes of of recording time on this app to work with. So you know, well, there's a lot to give f- all
1: that to the experts. Yes, you have your
0: fantasy football experts, your golf experts, <laughs> and we'll take care of it. Um, the reason why Chris is on is that he experienced something last weekend that I think all of us do, and one of Chris's sneaky good traits, um, besides being just a good guy and a funny guy and and great at his job, is that when he wants to, he can write things in a really poignant way. And what I didn't tell you, Chris, is that part of the reason why I had you on is that I read the David Wright post at the exact time I'm writing a follow-up piece to what I wrote for Golf.com last year about Tiger, before Tiger's come back, And um, I'm not going to spoil uh, your tweets, because people should go to at underscore Chris Thompson and see this, but the bottom line, it, it starts with, um, never has an athlete made an impact on me like, like David Wright has. In high school, I wore five. The one season I played third base, I played videos of myself and David side by side. So if that, doesn't, if, if, if that isn't a tease enough to go in there and look at it, um, I'm not sure what is. You experienced his last game, his last time playing third base, his last time in a Met uniform a week after Tiger Woods got back in the winner's circle, in a year where none of us ever thought that Tiger Woods would show this form. And your poignancy in, in how you wrote this uh, spoke to me as I was writing the follow-up to my piece. What is it about athletes and their goodbyes that, that you think grips us so much?
1: Uh, I think it's, you grow up with these people, you know, who uh, who watch Tiger Woods' triumphs through, you know, your uh, early years, and you watch his hardships through your adult years, and I think in in some ways it's like, you know, symbolic of your own life where, uh, you know, as you get older, you pursue new things and give up other things, and, uh, you know, the, the athletic feat that you want maybe thought as a kid where possible become less real to you as you're a you know, 20, 25, 30-year-old. And I think that you see a lot of yourself in these athletes that you've developed bonds with over the years. Uh, and you, at one point, tried to emulate, I think, in both of the examples that you, you've given. Uh, you know, For me as a baseball player and for you as a golfer, I think that makes a lot of sense that uh, you, know, you, you want to be that person, both on the field and off the field. Uh, and I think that's what you know ties
0: you so closely to them uh i think i've seen david Wright play baseball in person over a hundred times never saw him take a game and an inning or and at bat off always stop for autographs and, and hellos one of my favorite Derek jeter quotes um and and as i thought about this the goodbyes that i thought of that were similar to this is tiger's painful goodbye so we thought uh in 2017 in, in in Dubai um sorry excuse me uh 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 sorry Jeter's goodbye and then Mariana Rivera's goodbye um those are the are the three that came to mind and Jeter's quote is that all I ask of my teammates is that they play hard for 3 hours every day just give me 100% for 3 hours every day I don't care what you do for the other 21 you don't get arrested but I just want 100% of the of your energy for those 3 hours. And in that tweet, it, it, you know, I think right being the face of the franchise but also a role model for everybody else is that same kind of deal. He never took a, a time away from being 100% of of of, of the, the the energy he put towards it in his time playing third base
1: yeah and I, I think it's not only that but I think in, in all the examples that you've given you're talking about like the, the greatest version of something right like I think what ties people to the Tiger Woods story is that he was the greatest golfer of all time and David Wright was the best man of all time and Jeter is you know quintessential Yankees and Rivera, potentially the best closer of all time. Like, there is uh, this element, I think, of greatness that, that people are also drawn to that, um, you know, people really like those stories. And uh, the other thing about, you know, never taking a game off, never taking a bat off, like, I mean, I don't know what three hour baseball game she is watching. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, the thing about that is, like, it's kind of like the Kobe Bryant thing. Like, you just have a respect for people that play the game that way and, uh, you know, don't take an inning off. And I, I don't know, I think there's something out there about, um, you know, I'm sure there's more guys in that list that we just named that are never taking an inning off. Or, right. Uh, it, it for some reason, it just seems so apparent with those guys. You know, I'm sure that, you know, there are no baseball players taking innings off, taking games off, but it just kind of seems magnified with that short list of, like, you know, these amazing players that we're drawn to.
0: What's crazy about that, too, is is you bring up Kobe. Look, Kobe's out of, of basketball, what, one year, two years? And the dude wins a damn Oscar. I mean, he hasn't stopped.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all in, like, work ethic, right? Like, yeah. You, Kobe Bryant was first one in the gym, last one out of the gym every day, and I think... You bring that elsewhere. I, I assume, like I, I don't know, I can't really relate. But if right. Kobe Bryant decides to make a documentary or a short film, I'm sure he's going to put the same amount of intensity and effort into that that he did in the, uh, you know, beating whoever one on one their rookie season or like you know kind of all those famous Kobe Bryant stories. I, I, that work ethic like doesn't go away, you know. Yeah, no. Uh,
0: I'm talking to my buddy Chris Thompson about uh, um, about David Wright's goodbye. Um, what is your favorite David Wright moment?
1: Um, I think the World Series home run kind of brought everything together. Uh, you know, the, the goal of the Mets and where they always had fallen and George was, like, they, we want to win a championship. We had the 2006 NLCS run where, you know, they famously lost on the Andy Chavez catch followed by the homer. Uh, and, you know, 2007 collapse, the 2008 collapse, You spent, like, six years of mediocrity, and then finally... Uh, You know, they're back in the World Series, and David Wright is back after all of these injuries, and then he hits this massive home run in the first inning uh, of the first World Series game at City Field, and like for that moment, and Mets were huge underdogs in the series, but for that moment, winning that series was possible, Uh, and it was just, it was so great that, uh, you know, obviously you love Ioana Cespedes, and uh, you love Daniel Murphy, but there was something amazing about, you know, the cast of David Wright hitting that home run that... Uh, I I think really is memorable. Uh, And I think if you talk to him, I I would guess, I I mean, I've seen a few interviews about it, but I guess it's kind of the same thing. Uh, That was kind of the one moment. I I guess kind of a backup is like, I've always been mesmerized by that bare hand catch in San Diego. Um, It's just like, it's not really like a good baseball play. Like, put your glove on it. But somehow he makes it work, and it was... Yeah, like I said, kind of mesmerizing, but that's a a close two, I think.
0: Isn't it weird how sometimes the odd ones stick with you more than the rudimentary ones?
1: That is baseball, Jeremy. That is why I (laughs) love the game. Uh, It's always those kind of funky bounces or weird plays or things you don't expect that uh, kind of like make the best moments.
0: Like uh, Noah Syndergaard's bat breaking on a swing and miss on Sunday?
1: The man is just too strong. He's so strong he just breaks that without so making contact.
0: <laughs> that was ridiculous. I've never seen that. I have yeah, never
1: kind of like uh, was it Bryce Harper two years ago that hit the broken bat home run?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that that was just weird. Um, what was Saturday like? You, for those um, who have already scampered over to his uh, Twitter feed by now, you will know that uh, Chris got to talk to. To uh, uh, David uh before the game. Uh, that was a playoff atmosphere as I watched on TV. What was it like in there?
1: Uh, well, I mean, funny story about getting to the game, actually. I don't know if I told you this off air, but uh, we actually did not have tickets. We accidentally bought tickets for the night before, which <laughs> is like your worst nightmare. Oh, jeez. Uh, and we, we thought we were going to the David Wright game. And I go and I open the app where the tickets are supposed to be, and they're just not there. And I start freaking out. Like, there is nothing that could make me miss this game. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's a dollar amount that I would be like, oh, this is too much. Like, you know, I, I probably would have paid World Series prices to get to this game. Uh, so we had to we had to rebuy tickets on top of already wasting the tickets from Friday night, which we obviously didn't go to the game. But, um I got to the ballpark around 4:30, which is exactly when they opened the gates, and um, you could just—you knew immediately that the atmosphere was going to be pretty electric. I have never seen uh, not only that many fans in a ballpark before, you know, when the gates opened, but um, so much press. There were so many press people there; uh, they filled the—I don't know what it's even called in the infield—like the infield warning track, the dirt around the dugout. Right. Um, but. It was just like from the batting cage all the way back to the wall. In foul territory, was filled with reporters, um, and it was it was really cool. We were able to obviously get up close, and um, you know David eventually at some point came out and started signing autographs. I'm not a big autograph guy. I'm not a big uh, you know jersey guy. I'm, I'm typically not a you know nostalgic kind of, of fan. I don't wear like a lot of Mets gear or anything like that. But you know I think David's kind of the exception there, and I had a game plan to try and get up and and make him sign this jersey that I bought when I was, like, 14 years old, like, almost 15 years ago at this point. Uh, And, you know, you kind of wonder, like, is this going to happen? Am I really going to meet him? Like, I'm not even nervous about, like, you know, meeting him. I'm more nervous about whether or not it's going to happen because I just really want this jersey signed. I want to hang it. I want to get it framed and, and, you know, make a nice thing of it. Um, And, you know, I was just able to get up there and he signed it and I you know, spoke a few words with them, and it was, it was great, and that was kind of that, he went back into the tunnel, he, at one point, he was in a stand, like, actually signing autographs, which was crazy, never seen anything like that, but, um, it was pretty wild, it was a, a really, really, like, nice day.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it was a unique experience to see SNY show so much of stuff from the field during pregame, which is so, I, like, the amount of dugout shots they had I, I, I think may take the cake for the most number of dugout shots SNY has ever showed during one game. Um, it was it was just crazy. Um, he walked in his first at-bat, which, I mean, for me was absurd. I mean, and, and, and uh, Keith said this on the broadcast, to have the plate discipline with everything going on and you wanting to go off with some kind of a hit and you wanting to give the fans something to cheer about and then... To actually treat it like a normal at-bat and have the plate discipline to walk, that must have been a kind of odd feeling in the ballpark.
1: Well, I think what was actually weirder than that was, you know, obviously they're playing Reyes, a shortstop, to kind of give you that. Yeah. Uh, that made the late 2000s feel and then kind of, you know, have a send-off for that era. And Reyes doubles in classic fashion, you know, just like it's 6 07. Uh, and then w- when I really realized that, like, okay, this game is about David Wright and David Wright only, it's when Jeff McNeil, who's arguably, you know, at this point your best hitter, uh, bunts Reyes from second to third with no outs, uh, giving, you know, Wright like the sack fly opportunity, essentially. Um, that was when I kind of realized, like, okay, this night is all about David Wright. Results don't matter. Mets are, you know, really going to pull out all the stops to try and uh, make it a special night for him. And then. You know, obviously he walked. Honestly, I, I watched the game on TV after the next day because I had DVR'd it, and uh, I don't know a couple close pitches in there. I, I if you would have rung them up, but yeah, I obviously would have been upset, but I would have like understood the calls. I, I thought some of those were close.
0: Um, and then obviously the the, the uh, uh, set. Well, first of all, he finally got a ball hit towards him, and and he said when he came up in one of the booths. He was so happy it was, it, it, it was a one hopper because he, so, he, he was nervous. I mean, he was really nervous to play third base, and he finally gets a ball hit to him, which was pretty nice. Um, and then the last at-bat was not like Jeter's send-off. It was not like Mariano's send-off. It was, it was not the kind of last at-bat send-off you want. What was the feeling in the ballpark when that out happened?
1: Um. It was a a lot of booing for, for O'Brien. who was, was playing first base. Uh, it Booed the you know booed the hell out of him. Uh, he could have dropped it. That was a tough play. I don't think anyone realized that he would have gave my man another shot out there. But um, I think everyone in the ballpark was on the same page of like, you know, David Wright is not going to have this Cal Ripken All Star Game moment where someone throws him a meatball and he mashes it out of the park. Like he just doesn't have the ability to do that. Yeah. uh and you know that's a little bit sad but i think it's kind of the reality that you know we've all come to accept as fans and, and david himself where you know i'm playing this game i probably shouldn't even be i don't deserve to be i'm not that good I, I don't think anyone like really expected anything like the fact that he reached base in in the first inning was uh pretty amazing in and of itself so i, I mean no one was terribly upset everyone kind of knew the game plan and like the gist of what was going on beforehand. I mean, it was. Would love for him to mash a homer like that would have been great. But um, I think that expectation is like a little unrealistic.
0: Uh, talking to Chris Thompson about David Wright's goodbye. All right. So all goodbyes, whether it's a band that you're seeing for the last time, whether it's a singer, um, who you know, you know, someone tragically passes away and you're having to say you know goodbye. Literally, excuse me. An athlete you love that 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 is retiring and, and stepping away, um, goodbye is the hardest part. And for Mo, it was tears, tears in the mound when Jeter and Pettit came came to get him. Um, tears from him as he hugged everybody in the dugout for Tiger at um, at uh in 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 Dubai 2017 when he was having all those problems and then back spasms the next day you kind of wondered would this ever happen again um and and there's bands obviously that you know that you're seeing and you, and, and you know the second that song ends that, it, that that's the end it's rare the Jeter example where he not only walks off and it's a celebration but he wins the damn game for the team um which is one of the more unique send-offs. It, it, it's, it's kind of like Kobe. I mean, he dropped, what, 60 in that game? 50? 62. Yeah, 62. Yeah. I mean, which is just ridiculous. I mean, yes, they were passing the ball every time, but still, he you know, he had to make all those shots, and he did. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, rare, it, it's rare you get a celebratory send-off. It's more rare that you get a crying, emotional send-off. When uh, he was taken out after going back out in the field, what went through you and, and and what and what was happening around you?
1: Yeah, I just lied by the way. It was sixty points for for Kobe. Sixty two was uh, that was mellow. Okay. Um, but the uh, I mean the send off is definitely emotional. Um, I think uh, I'll say this on your podcast because why not? But um, I, I think after I met him and got the jersey signed, there were a little bit of tears after. Um, they took him out of the game there were definitely a little bit of tears and in, in, in between uh, I think the introduction maybe you know eyes welled up a little bit um, again first thing I said right like you grow up with these people like I don't know David. I've watched David Wright play baseball for 15 years like yeah. you know you bring him in your house every day but it was definitely emotional um, I mean even you're prepared for it right like Mets announced, like hey he's getting two at bats and we're taking him out next inning like you knew it was coming and it was still yes Super emotional. I'm like, you know, feel fine about it now, obviously. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I, and part of it is like you feel bad for him, you know? Like, I think Jeter and and Mo, like, those guys played well into their late 30s, early 40s, and uh, they had a good run. They won their World Series. And, uh, you know, David is having his career cut short by injury, and he didn't win the World Series, and it's largely been, you know, unsuccessful tenure. Um, And, you know, he probably is not going to make the Hall of Fame, which if he doesn't break his back in 2011, he probably would. Um, so, you know, part of is his feeling bad for him, not just like, you know, the nostalgia for, for him and for the game, but um, it was definitely emotional.
0: Um, and then a weird thing happened. So all the fans know that, there, or I assume most of the fans knew there was going to be a ceremony after the game, there are going to be fireworks, there was going to be some kind of a tribute. And the game, and the game goes into extra innings and keeps going and going and going. Uh, that must have been bizarre.
1: It was honestly so annoying. I it was so annoying. Like I'm all about bonus baseball and you know watching some some good extra inning games, but there's just no reason for that to happen. You're talking about two teams that have been eliminated. Uh, you know, all the fans are waiting around. I actually went down. I think for like the 8th, ninth, and 10th, I went uh, behind the scoreboard and, like, met some friends back there. Um, and, or excuse me, behind home plate, in, like, that rotunda area they have. Yeah. And I was like, oh, by the time we get back to our seat, like, everyone will be gone. Uh, and I went back out into uh, where we were sitting, and, like, everybody was still there, which was crazy. But um, I thought that we might see a, a team forfeit, honestly. Like, hey, let's get this over with, which would have been insane. But um, it, it was pretty bad. That's classic Mets, though. I, I, anytime you go to an April game, that's like, you know, 45 degrees yes. outside, and it's 10, and you have work the next day. That's guaranteed extra innings, 1-1 one, one or zero-zero or something. It was literally exactly like that, just playing this endless, meaningless baseball game.
0: The crazy thing is that, you know, here's David Wright. you know, farewell. Steven Matz pitched a heck of a game. I mean, it was a really solid final start.
1: He, he did. He did. <laughs> he was really good. And here's the other thing. Uh, that you know I just love about David Wright so in the week leading up to it obviously you know Jacob DeGrom is going to win the Cy Young and it looks mm. pretty clear now but um, you know it didn't you know 14 20 days ago and um, you know David's talking about his comeback and he's like well you know just want to be cognizant of like you know not starting a game that Jake's starting and uh, potentially messing up his Cy Young chances by making bad plays in the field or something like that. And, you know, I think that's leadership in and of itself. And then uh, if you listen to his post-game conference after that, he he said something to the effect of, uh, look, like, I wanted Matty under four. And he's saying, like, hey, I wanted Steven Matts under an ERA of four. Yeah. You know, hey, I hope that Steven Matts Finishes the season under four. It was like, hey, I'm the leader of this team. I know what Steven Mas is capable of, and he needs to be under a 4.0 ERA this season. And like, it was just interesting to see kind of just his phrasing on that. Like, almost it was like an expectation of his team, you know, that someone on it uh, achieved like a certain metric or, or a statistic. Um, which you know, again, is just true leadership and. Uh, quintessential David Wright, in my opinion, and I thought that was really, really cool for not only him to be aware of that, but just kind of have that expectation, you
0: know. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, Jeter um, went and and everybody knew he wanted to, he 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 wanted to own a team. He ends up um, uh, uh, sorry buying the Marlins, and we know how that's gone so far, which is not well. Um, <laughs> I feel like David is somebody that is destined to become like a spring training instructor, advisor, some kind of special role with the Mets. I can't see him bolt into another team in some role. Could you?
1: No, 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 no. And I think there's like, I mean, I don't know anything about like what's going on or, or what those conversations sound like, but... I mean, he's technically still under contract for another two seasons. They owe a lot of money. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure insurance will pick it up. But, you know, I think he grew up a that fan. He's a Met his entire career. I would be pretty stunned. I don't think ownership interests him. It doesn't sound like he really wants the coaching job necessarily. Um, I, I would be surprised if you ever saw him in, in not a Met's uniform.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's destined to become like some ambassador, some community, you know you know, like, like kind of the face of, like, the Mets, like, you know, charity operations or something. Like, that That seems more where he's going, some kind of uh, advisor uh, role that has him in that place.
1: Yeah, I think he wants to be around, like, the game, though. I, I think he wants to, to your point, like, maybe do some instructional league stuff, maybe do some spring training stuff. Yeah. He wants to be around players, and he wants to be around baseball. Um, I would be surprised if the extent of his involvement is, like, you know, the Mets charity arm or something. I think it's right. going to be... Yeah involved in some kind of
0: baseball capacity um what was that speech like because obviously you know here we are and and it's getting late but hey he makes that speech and i thought it was a heartfelt speech i i I thought they did a really good job you know he had gone in the Sny booth he'd gone in the radio booth he'd done all these rounds um uh by the way him uh 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 uh, keith smelling his jersey was fantastic by the way um (laughs) But, like, you know...
1: ...are great. Yes. And I mean, the speech is like... Look, I mean, these guys aren't, like, you know, the great orators of the day. Like, you're, they're not your Barack Obamas. But um, I actually thought out of all of the content that I uh, ingested over the week, like, Steve Gelb did an f y interview with right. him. Obviously, did the booth. Um, I had some quick interactions with him. Uh, he had a speech afterwards. He did the post-game press conference. Um, I think the speech was like, I don't know, I, I got a lot more insight out of everything else I absorbed. Uh, the SNY interview was phenomenal. I thought that was really, really awesome. Um, and the, uh, it's always cool to see players in a booth, in my opinion. I wish there were, you know, the A-Rod Sunday Night Baseball stuff is just so cool, in my opinion. Like, I don't want to listen to, uh, you know, some of these guys drone on. Like, I want to listen to players uh, talk about, you know, kind of their experiences. And I love hearing, like, kind of the war stories and uh, some of that stuff they talk about. And so that's, like, you know, in my opinion, better than than any speech that could have happened. I mean, I appreciate it. I I agree. It was super heartfelt, like, very nice. But um, I loved the other content.
0: You know, it's funny you say this, and this is a complete aside. Joe Buck, a couple years ago, you may remember reading about this, thought that he and the Cardinals were close to a deal where he would do eight Cardinal games on local TV with players mic'd, managers mic'd, the ability to talk to guys in the field before being started, the ability to talk to guys in the on-deck circle. Um, A lot of the stuff you've seen in all-star games, um, now that that game no longer counts, um, he wanted to do for regular season games, and he thought that he and the Cardinals had made a lot of progress on it and Apparently, Major League Baseball put the kibosh on it, which surprises nobody. Um, but I think you do need some of that progressive content. And, and and yes, you've seen pitchers who are not on their start days do interviews and stuff. But, um, you know, th- those are war stories. And here's David in full uniform having just come up in the booth. And it was... I I just... I'm with you. That should happen more. Yeah,
1: they got to mic these guys up. <coughs> Excuse me. I think the... Um I mean, this, this thing went viral earlier this year where the umpire, uh, eject Terry Collins. And it turns out everybody's mic and the audio leaks and people yes. went wild over it. Like, I think, you know, people pay for like to listen to the NASCAR chatter, you know, to yeah. hear that stuff. Uh, NFL film does, does that thing that they do every year. Um, I think that stuff is awesome. MLB should do more of it. I mean, all leagues should do more of it, honestly. Uh, that's, that's that that stuff that you want to get close to that you feel like you don't get you know Uh, that's why you want to sit courtside at a basketball game so you can hear the trash talk like they should I mean monetize it you know I would pay money for that for
0: sure it's funny you say that because the joke about the NBA Wired is that they can't Review X's and O's and in, in those in in those live game broadcasts. So it's all these you know rudimentary. Hey, we gotta hustle more and get more rebounds. And it's like, oh, you know, I I could have seen that. Thanks very much. Um, it's, it's it's that bland audio that nobody cares about. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, like this is the classic Steve Kerr. Yes, uh, when he's talking to Steph Curry, and everyone's like, oh, Steph, Steph, uh, he's got such a great mentor in, in Steve Kerr, and they play the audio, and it's like hey buddy like you just keep shooting you keep doing you and it's like oh, who you know I want to hear more actually than I was on
0: yes well unfortunately they, they they cannot in a live setting which is why so many golf fans love this Tiger Phil idea because they're going to be mic'd and, and, and the trash talk will be mic'd but with the way Phil's playing who knows and, and the way that they've are, are, are apparently going to charge $25 for the pay per view I mean I, I think that's going to turn a lot of people off <laughs> $25 is just an insane amount of money you have to pay for that. Um, where where was I... Oh, yes. How was the fireworks display? Uh, please, as somebody who grew up down the Jersey Shore and went to fireworks displays and has been all over the place, how would you rate the Mets fireworks display? Pretty good.
1: I thought they were good. Yeah, we were kind of like... Uh, we were talking about how impressed we were by them. Uh, it was cool. I, I don't like, you know... I'm no, like... Tactical fireworks guy, but they had some cool stuff going on. Uh, It it was pretty lengthy. It was like 15 minutes long. Uh, They were doing it to different songs. like They did a a few Backstreet Boys songs and a couple other random stuff, but um, I thought it was cool.
0: Where do the Mets go from here? Uh, This has been disappointing year after disappointing year after disappointing year, and we say it at the end of every season. They've got a good framework in place dot, 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 if they stay healthy, dot, 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 if they add a, another piece or two. And uh, for the last three years, it's been injuries and bad decisions. Where do they go from here?
1: I think you've got a good, obviously you have a good starting pitching core. And, like, look, you're gonna, you you got to say every year, like, oh, if they stay healthy, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, people get hurt. Like, you just always have to kind of have that optimism that's not going to go anywhere. Um, yes, in order for us to be good, uh, people have to stay healthy. And the pitching staff is largely good. I, I think they could probably use, uh, you know, one more starter. Um, but, you know, you've got DeGrom, you've got Thor, you've got Matt. Um That's a, a pretty – and Wheeler, honestly, has been really good also. So that's, uh, you know, a solid four right there. Um, you, uh, you know, I think you've got to try McNeil at second base next season. He's been really, really good. Uh, obviously, you've got Rosario is short. Um, the outfield is, is pretty solid. You know, hopefully Yo comes back at some point. I don't think he'll be ready for uh, opening day, but it sounds like maybe May, maybe a little later than that. And so, you know, you run Conforto and Nimo out there, and then, uh, you know, Ligaris or something like that, until Yo gets back, and then, you know, those things tend to solve themselves. Uh, the issue that I have with the Mets is two things. One is that there just seems to be a general, like, and. There's a lack of direction. They don't have, like, a front office technically right now since uh, Sandy Alderson left. But I don't really know what the strategy is. We've heard, you know, time and time again, the Mets don't have any money. They don't want to spend on free agents. Uh, they want to build from within. And then, you know, you're not bringing up Peter Alonzo. Uh, Don Smith has been terrible. Like, you can't rely on him. Uh, And, you know, the Wilpons are out here saying, like, oh, we never said don't buy free agents. Like, okay, that's not what I heard for the past four years. So I think they need to hire someone very quickly and really kind of figure out, like, what it is that the game plan is. And then as far as, like, on the field stuff, got to figure out what's going on at first base because I don't know what is happening there. But Jay Bruce cannot play first base, in my opinion. Uh, He's a total liability. Dom Smith is not the answer. Peter Alonso is mashing home runs and, and, you know, sitting in uh, the minors for for the entire season. So someone's got to solve that, and then they need a bullpen. I think those are kind of the two big areas that I would focus. And then, like, you know, I don't know, throw a blank check at Manny Machado and see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I I think I'm fine with that. But um, that's wildly unrealistic. Uh, But I think bullpen and, and first base are kind of the huge issues
0: did Saturday night give you closure?
1: Um, I, I think it's like, I don't know if closure is the right word. It's just like time to move on. You know, time to start the next thing. Um, and, you know, largely the 2006-2007-2008 chapter of the Mets is closed and um, a portion of that 2015 team's chapter has closed. Uh, and it's time to like, look forward with that same core, uh, but you know, just without the captain. So maybe he'll still be in the dugout, I don't know. But um, I don't think closure's the right word, it's just like we're moving on to the next chapter.
0: That's an interesting technical question. When you retire, are you still captain until the next captain is named? Or, 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 or no. does your retirement signature relinquish you as the captain?
1: That's it, that's it. There are no active captains in Major League Baseball.
0: Really? Not one on any team?
1: David Wright was the only one? Wow. I did not
0: realize that.
1: It's not a big thing in baseball.
0: No, it's not. But you would think that, that you know, the Mike Trouts of the world and the Clayton Kershaw's would have gotten it already.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, you have to have the on-the-field on skills, but you also have to have that, like, clubhouse leadership stuff, which I, I think, you know, David is amazing. You have to lead by more than just example, right, if you going yeah. to make you captain. Uh, I think David is really good at that, and I, I think we already know that, uh, you know, Mike Trout has kind of displayed that, the, you know, for better or for worse, I tend to not care at all, but he doesn't love being the spotlight guy or the rah-rah guy, and, you know, I don't think you're going to make that guy captain. Everyone knows that he's Mike Trout; and he mashes baseballs. You know, like that's kind of his thing, and uh, he's the best player in the game. And yeah, I don't think he really has an interest in the rest of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's kind of a unique thing that you need to have, and uh, not a ton of people have it.
0: No, it's not. Um, is there anything else you want to say, either about this, David Wright, or anything else, while on this podcast?
1: <laughs> anything at all. Yes. Uh, no, I don't I don't think so. It was a really fun day. It was really cool. I was very happy to, um, you know, have spent eight hours at the ballpark, and it was a really cool experience for me personally, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm super glad that it happened, and, uh, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it since then, and uh, it was just a, a nice day at the ballpark and a, a good way to say goodbye to, um, you know, your first favorite player. You know, it's kind of the... That was the first guy I really, really, really loved. Uh, you know, you've got your uh, your your Mike Piazza's and you know yeah. guys like that beforehand, but uh, David Wright was very much like my generation. You know, uh, so it was cool. I'm happy to come on here and talk about it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, but um, it was awesome.
0: One one last thing. How's the subway system lately?
1: Ooh, <laughs> a timely question. I actually. Uh, did not have a great commute this morning. They had a total meltdown on the L train, and I actually had to get out and take it an over. They evacuated the entire train. It was crazy. Ooh, what uh, happened? So it not been good. What happened? I think there was a train, so there's like this tube, they call it the, the Canarsie Tube, that uh, it goes from, from Williamsburg to Manhattan, and there was a train stuck in it. And so you couldn't obviously go yeah. through it; like a one-way situation. Um, and yeah, so that happened this morning. I had a nine a.m. meeting. I was a good thirty minutes late for, which was cool. Nice. Um, and that's how my day started.
0: Well, I hope it gets better, but I somehow feel like it won't get better. Um, he is Chris Thompson. His Twitter is 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 uh, at underscore Chris Thompson spelled out. Um, You can read more. Two underscores, Jer. Two underscores. Sorry, two. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, Two underscores. Um, You can read the whole thing about David Wright. It is so well said, and uh, that's why I wanted him on the show. Chris Thompson, thanks for coming on Teeing It Up.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Talk to you soon.
0: Uh, Chris, uh, uh, thank you to Chris, and thank you for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.